The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hey, guess what? No steam vents. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't seen any sort of show and tell build in a while. Yeah, they they just ran reanimator in the game one. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we, unfortunately, are Cantrip Cartel. (laughs) (laughs) We are proud members of the Planesuckers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how are you doing today? Uh, Good enough. How are you? Oh, work sucks. Yes, it Doing does. good. In the uh, in the beautiful Indiana Midwest, we got a foot and a half of snow last week. Yeah, and it turns out if uh, when you're in the courier business, if you don't dispatch for two days, the packages still exist. Yeah, apparently you guys just kept ordering stuff even though we had a blizzard. Yeah, nobody, you guys didn't get the message. <laughs> like everyone kept ordering, we just stopped delivering for two days. So case we, in point, the freaking Amazon stuff. I, I ordered stuff on Amazon last week it, or uh, like last Friday. Won't be here till this Saturday. Right, dude. The funny thing is, the number of people that I know that no one that they've talked to someone who said their snowblower isn't here yet. <laughs> They're like, yeah, they tried to order it Monday and it was supposed to snow on Wednesday. Yep. <laughs> and it was off by a day. So now it's off by a week. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you missed, bud. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Been playing Satisfactory. We both picked that up. Took a little bit of a break from 11. I need a bit of a break from the grind. I did the quick little math and that boss I was farming, I fought it 166 times this month. <laughs> so I was That's like, so yeah, funny. I need, I'm going to take a week off. Yep. To well, like refresh and play some satisfactory. And your workload kind of got reduced. You were telling me about a little bit of a glitch in the matrix you found. The amount of money you need is basically yeah. cut in half. Yeah, I was basically looking at something that's just to get the rank points on that uh, sword. The item I was looking at costs 10 times as much as the other item you can use for it. And it only provides five times as many rank points. It, it basically boiled down to you could buy the one item that counts as 10x of a thing for $1,000. Or you can buy, let's say, 10 singles for like 50 bucks a piece. Right. And like the math just doesn't check out yeah. there. And that was the only thing I was looking at because I I assumed the price, the increased uh, in rank points would have been baked into the price and it just wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't baked in correctly. Yeah. There's a, a multiplier. So like they cost twice as much as they should. Yep. So I, I figured that out and I was like, oh, I don't need 90 million gil. I need 40 million yeah. gil. Yeah, and that's and just your workload got cut in half. Yeah. So I was very excited about that. You only found out about that because you were hanging out in town and you saw yeah. a chat roll by. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like <laughs> somebody somebody shouted for the price for one of these items for the expensive one. Yep. And then the price for the cheaper one. And then I looked, I was like, wait a second. There's a cheaper one? And then I go on the wiki, I'm like, and I start doing that. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Why am I paying twice as much for these? But unlike most times, I had not bought any of the expensive one yet. So I didn't waste any gill. I just got lucky. Yep. For the first time ever. Yeah. You realize there's a cheat before you spent 10 hours grinding. I realized my mistake before I make it. Mm-hmm. Before I made it. And that's pretty rare for me. <laughs> Normally, I have to make a mistake once before I figure it out. I don't often make the same mistake twice. Mm-hmm. But I often make the first mistake. So, uh, just taking a little bit of break from Final Fantasy. Playing some Satisfactory. I uh, picked it up. Steam had some random sale. 
I picked it up and just started checking it out because I, uh, you know this, Jake, but our listeners might not. I'm a big fan of Minecraft. I played Factorio or Factorio. Factorio, because yeah. it's Factory. So played those a lot. I really got into modded Minecraft and did a lot of this, the logistic stuff, moving items around into auto crafting tables and whatnot and like getting all that stuff synced up, which is modded Minecraft is like a miniature version of Satisfactory. Mm-hmm. So now obviously modded Minecraft came well before Satisfactory, but like I've already dipped my toe into this pool from other games and now yeah. we've just moved on to uh, what seems to be like the upper echelon of this type of game. Yeah. Like this is as big and as complicated as it gets currently. And it's one of those things like it's all the game does realistically is, yeah. is give you the tools to make these large assembly lines, optimize them. And it looks really good. Like yeah. the big thing about Factorio, it's not a bad game, but it's like, it's a top down. It's a very limited graphical interface. Yep. Satisfactory is like really ambitious for how it looks. Yeah. It runs pretty well too. I was actually yeah. surprised about that. They're not super fancy graphics or anything mm-hmm. like that, but like they're good enough that the game looks good. Yeah. And it looks pretty, it looks really cool from a distance. Like if you just get a little bit away from your factory and you, you can still see everything moving up and down, yep. you're just not right next to these textures. It looks really good. So for preface, the day I bought Satisfactory and played it with you, I probably played four hours, just Something straight like that. through. Yep. And then I believe it was the next day I stayed home. Because I was like, hey, Matt, we can play again if you want. And you were busy that day. Are you sleeping? You took a day off. I think I played 13 hours. My wife went to work that day and I played all day. Yeah, it's the kind of game that you just, you log on and you just completely lose track of time. So that's my like preface for like, I've put a lot of hours in this game already. There's obviously someone up there who's got a thousand hours in. But for someone who bought the game a week ago, I played a lot. The most interesting thing about the game to me is while it does run relatively well, The whole thing has to be loaded. If you think about it, the entire map has to be loaded or it has some way of knowing where your structures are and it has to load all the areas where your structures are because the whole point of the game is to set factories up and you get assembly lines working and there's time gates where very commonly I need a thousand of this item and it takes three seconds to make each item. That's obviously a long time. You can go explore and you can you can walk as far as I know infinitely far away, and you come back, and all your machines were working the whole time, which means they were loaded the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how this game keeps this incredibly large map. Like, which if it is like it's to scale to itself. I mean, you you set your new base up There's three thousand three thousand meters away. Yeah, it's keeping. It's keeping all of the things you have built loaded at least. I, I mean, I'm sure there's not. It probably it might not be keeping the environment loaded. It might not be keeping the um, enemies spawning, but your stuff is still loaded yeah. or the game has some software built in that it can keep track of. Like if you have all these things, like it knows what should be being made and it's like, kind of doing the it's doing the calculations in the background. Yeah. And then when you get close to it, it, it pops into it existence. Puts the skins on it, basically. Yeah. yeah, Maybe it just keeps track of the numbers and just like it just keeps a number ticker going in the background of like how many items you have and as how they're moving and whatnot. But it's. The the smoke and mirrors are really good. Yeah, it like I, it, I the thought occurred to me like a dozen times where it's like, how the heck am I fifteen hundred meters away? I've been walking for five minutes straight in one direction, and like when I get back, everything's still running. It, and it's and it kept running. Yep, because like Minecraft's a big one. Oh, Minecraft was horrible about it. You, you had to, to get you, chunk loaders if yeah. you wanted to keep automated stuff going yep. in the background. Yeah, there's I have a lot of things on my Minecraft where you have to turn it off. If you leave the chunk and let it unload, it will destroy the whole thing. You have to like almost ground up rebuild it. Mm-hmm. Satisfactory does a really good job of 
making it work, yep. even in a multiplayer setting, because we had two people on, making it work, and you just don't know how. Yeah, and that that would have to be one of the first things you'd solve, because the game's basically pointless without it. Yeah. Like, if you can't leave your base... Yeah. Because, I mean... I, I haven't looked too much into it. Uh, both Jake and I are trying to do, at least I am, yes. trying to do this with as minimal hand-holding as possible. Yep. So, like, we're not looking anything up. We're not, like, I checked a couple things, like, trying to get, like, a, like, how pipes work. Yeah. Like, stuff like that. Yeah, it might, you might ask, like, some simple questions at Google, but you're not looking at optimization Yeah, or I'm whatever. not looking at people's builds and well, copying that stuff. When I played Dark Souls for the first time, I, I, I looked up what a good starting class was, because there's 10, and it was my first Souls game. Mm-hmm. And after that, I didn't look into anything. I wanted to experience the game raw. After I'd beaten the like the main story twice, I started. Like, I, then I went to walkthroughs, how-to guides, yeah. optimization. Like now that I've beaten the game and I've experienced everything I'm going to experience like naturally, now I just want to know everything. Yeah, and that's what once I get like to this in this one, we're like or we're maxed out because there's like four plants you can build on, and we're on the easy one. Mm-hmm. I might like take it all the way to the max, get like huge factories going, and then if I decide to build again in the harder world, I'm gonna look up like. Here's your speed run guides to get to where you want to be. Yeah. Here's your, if you want, like, I look up some designs for optimized factories. And this is how you want it to look and yada yada. Well, that's what I was going to get at is like back on to like keeping everything loaded and whatnot. There are huge factories. And like, if it wasn't all loaded at one time, like, if it wasn't always all of, having all of it running, yeah. it just, the whole game would break. But- so like to if you haven't played it's one of those games. It's in like it's still it's still pre-release. Yeah, it's early access. Early access, but it's a lot of fun. And for 30 bucks, it's a it's if it's the kind of game you like, it's a lot of fun. But one of the things in the game you can do, and it's designed this way, is you can create small trucks and you can create um truck stations and automate them so that you could make a factory a mile away from your base, and the truck will just on an automated route go. Pick up the stuff and bring it back. Yep. Like the game is has mechanics. I guess there's trains too that there do are, similar things. Yes, yeah. The, the game is designed that it has these really these large vehicles that are meant to travel incredibly long distances, acquire your resources being built, and then bring them back. Meaning they have to be loaded. It's a fun game. It's that's pretty much what both of us did yeah. over the uh, our little snow break there. It's been most of my free time where I've been hopping on checking and. Matt doesn't do AFK, where I like to do a lot of AFK with this kind of stuff. Um, get it set up, get your factories running, and let it run overnight. Just get a kind of a stockpile of stuff. Yeah. Like you don't gain anything from running AFK except for fruits of your labor, where the machines you have built will just run for hours and yeah. hours and hours. You don't get experience or anything. You just get more of the time gated stuff. That's that's been my like hop on and check it for an hour at night, optimize some stuff, make some changes, move some stuff, and then go to bed and. If I get, you know, four or five hours to play, design a new assembly line, mm-hmm. build a new area, explore. It's pretty fun. I recommend. Before we move on, like every week, I do want to give a big shout out to Will and Aramis. Like I said at the beginning, we are proud members of the Plains Talkers podcasting network. Will and Aramis put on an excellent show at the Plains Talkers podcast, giving you pretty much everything you need to know about Standard and quite a bit about Commander as well. If you head over to twitch.tv forward slash Plains Talkers podcast at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can actually watch the show live and uh, give your thoughts and whatnot. Will and Aramis are actually pretty good about keeping an eye on the chat. and They love interacting with people live on stream. Head back there Wednesday for their Commander Craft and actually keep your eye out for Commander Craft, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, where they play Command Over Spell Table. We're trying to get a CEDH night organized where we kind of bring proxies allowed the biggest, baddest decks we want, and just kind of run them at full speed against each other. 
And I think Will is even trying to get a fundraiser set up for it through Extra Life. Oh, that's cool. So if you have any interest in that, we'd love anyone to that would have an interest in donating and reach out to us, let us know. It's all going to be run primarily through the Discord, discord.plainsuckerspodcast.com. All the information will be there, the dates, the times. We're trying to get a day ironed out. But right now the goal is to set up a, a really cool charity event where we just kind of bash some fun decks against each other. So head over to the Discord um, first, let them know we sent you. Second, pop over to our Discord and say hello, which we have a channel on their Discord. And then third, maybe sign up for one of those Commander games just for fun. Will always saves a seat for non-patrons pretty much every week. Alrighty, Matt, with that out of the way, how's Legacy looking? I know we had a rough week after Ragavan got banned, but the, the Neta will adjust, like, Delver's weakened. So, we, you know, we had a big tournament, and this was a chance for people to really bring their, bring their not their brews, but their, like, A game to fight Delver and kind of hold it down a little bit better. You know, like, I don't want to see, I just don't want to see Delver continuously putting up 20, 25% of the meta. Well, good, because it didn't. That, that's great. Put up a uh, 34.3.38. Disgusting. Percent of the top 32. 11 of the top 32. Uh, we had a legacy super qualifier. 11 of the top 32 were blue red delver and that was on saturday that was uh i think sunday either way one of the days this weekend yeah yeah i think they run them on sundays i could be wrong there realistically it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's so it's funny. not looking great obviously i teed met up on that yeah but like that's that's one of the things we talked about going into as soon as we heard these bands were coming out you know i don't want delver gone i just don't want to play delver every other game or every two games now, obviously, the this is not representative of everyone that played, but this is representative of the best winning decks. These are the decks with the yeah. highest win record. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, super qualifier, super qualifiers are uh, one of the bigger events we get. Yeah. And obviously, people they bring their they bring their A game yep. to a super super qualifier, and yeah, that's they people wanting to win play blue red Delver. In fairness, it's been quite a while since we've like gone over why we talk about what we talk about. So we run over challenge results every week because personally, I don't think leagues are very high stakes and I don't care what people play in leagues. Yep. I think leagues are full of a lot of fun decks that people are. Leagues are approximately an FNM. Yeah. They're having fun. They're playing. It costs 10 bucks. It's you can do it whenever you want. So I'm not knocking anyone who plays a bunch of leagues, but like leagues are full of just fun pet decks and interesting brews and yada, yada. There are people that grind leagues for money, but for the most part, it's kind of whatever. And for bragging rights. And for bragging rights challenges your saturday and sunday challenge are usually somewhat high stake events where now you're playing for the opportunity to earn entry into legitimately large events the payout on these isn't small you get a decent number of chests you get a decent which is you know chests are basically money yep i think you get 50 or 100 chests worth of like two like worth like a dollar 52 bucks a piece mm-hmm. you make a bit of money you make uh you make a lot of like play points so you can keep playing like challenges for free or leagues and you get entered into higher stake tournaments we usually prioritize the Sunday events because those are usually where the A game is. So or in the past six months, the only one that's fire. Well, for legacy, but <laughs> yeah. usually you get a Saturday and Sunday challenge for most formats. And it's just a kind of a standard thing that the people that are a little more serious, the higher stake names, the better players show yeah. up on Sunday. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing inherent in a Saturday or Sunday. It's just that's kind of the way it pans that's out. That's just the trend. Yeah. And so we usually try and focus on every week the highest stake tournament we can within reason. That we have data for and so we usually pick the sunday challenge whenever we have something like a super qualifier or a mox come up we prioritize those over yep or so, any big events like the legacy pit open yep, and stuff a, like that or the when they the las vegas uh, yeah. modern event yep 
stuff where you, where you have hundreds of people playing yes. and high stakes. Yep. That's what we're, we want the highest stakes stuff as possible. Yep. The, we want our weekly meta recap to be the most impressive tournament because our theory is the tournament with the highest stakes is brings the people who are playing the most serious decks. Correct. Because uh, you wouldn't bring, a, if you're playing in a very serious event, you would not bring your fun brew. You want to win. Right. Theoretically. So, who wanted to win the Legacy Super Qualifier? Uh, Sylvia Wataru. That sounds like how you say that. They ran and won blue red with Blue Red Delver. So, see the price of this deck? Yep. $3,600. 900 tickets. Hey, guess what? No Steam Vents. <laughs> <laughs> so... So they listen to our episode, <laughs> or at least read the title. Right. Ooh, fall from favor in the sideboard. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've talked about blue red Delver a million times. Doesn't look like much has changed here. You've got one chain lightning and four lightning bolts. Mishra's bobble for DRC. Mm-hmm. A brazen borrower as your little flex slot That's creature. Basically, your one or two flex slots is either yeah. young pyromancer, brazen borrower, or what's the dragon guy? What's the is it dragon? Uh, sprite dragon. Sprite dragon. Yeah. Did you see the one of Bloodstained Mire? That's a, that's kind of funny. I used to. So what you do, you need a certain number of guaranteed red sources as well, mm-hmm. and you run out of scalding tarns. So mm-hmm. you kind of had to just pick a red fetch. So I act. I mean, it's just a coincidence. Mine always had one bloodstained mire in it as well because yeah. I ran that that same mana base is what I would run. Like to a card, this is what I would run in mine. Yep. Oh yeah, we're down only three three volcanics yep, again. Three volcanics, four scalding tarn. Uh, I guess technically I would split the polluted deltas into something else like you uh-huh. can run because you're just getting a blue fetch there you can yep. run like flooded strand <laughs> or whatever dog pithy needle basically i mean you're talking about you know thousands of a percentage point yep. that I'd... kind of stuff but you do want one more red fetch mm-hmm. typically speaking and that's where your blood stain mire comes it's in. just kind of funny that you could i don't know why you keep a, a delver hand like this but you could go turn one blood stain mire pass and your opponent has no idea what they're playing against correct and I mean, you're still wide open because I mean, you can get a volcanic with yep. that or a mountain. Yep. Um. So that's why that's in there. Uh. Yeah. The fall from favor is about the only spicy thing in the sideboard. We've seen all the other stuff before: rough and tumble, submerge. Fall always, from favor was actually banned from Popper because it's just it's a very good answer. Yeah. It always amazes me when Delver decks run three mana anything, just because three mana is a lot for Delver. It is. Like that's three mana is like turn five yeah. for Delver. But it does answer Merktide, Merit Lage, anything pretty well. Yep. And the the at least from what I'm looking at here, the cool thing about Fall from Favor, yeah, it costs three, but you're going to be playing it in games where you expect the game to go long anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why the Monarch matters. So I you guess. wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't run a three-mana Lightning Bolt in that spot, but a three-mana thing that deals with, you know, Uro? Yeah. <laughs> That's a very clean answer to Uro. Yep. <laughs> Just boom, it doesn't untap. Cool, good to go. And now I have Monarch, and I'm probably going to keep the Monarch. Would you bring that in for Murktide Regent in a deck that runs Murktide? Do you think that's worth it? Depends on what was running it, because Murktide gets ran in more than... That's like, true. I wouldn't run it against Blue Red Delver. I yeah. think it's probably too slow. But if you had something maybe like Jeskai Ragavan, which typically is a little bit more of a grindy mid-rangey mm-hmm. kind of deck where you can expect the game to go longer, I could see something like that. Bas- but basically, anything where you're... If you're trying to, obviously, Blue Red Delver's always trying to kill him quick, but if, you know, control games, mm-hmm. those go much longer. Yep. You know, much to Blue Red Delver's chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> but interesting. Interesting interesting sideboard choices. Not really an interesting deck. Yeah. Well, um, just it's Blue it's Red Delver. It's certainly not new or spicy. Nope. 
I think it's I it's old reliable. And I don't want this to come off that way in our podcast. I actually play Blue Red Delver. I like the deck. I just yep. don't I don't like broken cards in general. So that's why you'll hear us complain about it quite a bit. I mean, 30 I don't know how you like uh, an event that had a 35%. Right. We shouldn't nobody should be hoping share. for these kind of numbers. No. Next up, shout out to XJ Cloud, renowned Del or uh, D&T master yep. XJ Cloud. Who is very thin. <laughs> I was reading on Reddit. He's like, hey, who's that thin handsome guy that got second? <laughs> so if you happen to listen, XJ Cloud, we're fans. Yeah, that's awesome. Love seeing you. So congrats on second place. Is he running anything spicy in death and taxes? I don't know, Matt. You're the legacy guy. Doesn't look like it. So we discussed it a little bit last week. The hard commitment to graveyard hate in the sideboard. So what he was saying on Reddit, and I do want to give him full credit for this. This is not me talking about it. I don't know very little about Death and Taxes other than how to beat it with elves. His argument was Storm is basically non-existent in the current meta, and Doomsday is almost unwinnable. So as far as your matchups go, you just commit a bunch of stuff to the graveyard, and you can guarantee you can beat the graveyard decks, because you're just not going to win against Doomsday. That mm-hmm. was his thinking. And that makes sense to me. Yeah. Like, if, if, if you don't have to commit anything to Storm, and you just can't win Doomsday, then... Yep. I hear that a lot from... I like to listen to Julian's podcast. Mm-hmm. But Julian Nabs big is a big proponent of sometimes you just pick decks that you lose to, and, like, your plan to beat that deck is to not play it. Yeah, you gotta... You got to dodge it. His his opinion is on your deck design and on your sideboard is pick some decks and make sure you beat those every time or as much as you can. Don't worry about beating every deck in the field because you're here to spike a tournament. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't plan on you're not going to play a thousand matches. No. And your de- you, the decks that are hyper consistent and hyper flexible are the ones that go three two drop yeah. or or four two drop. You're looking to go six oh seven oh. You do that by spiking. You do that by getting lucky. Set yourself up to get lucky. Yep. And Doomsday isn't even that prevalent anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's absolutely the right call. Like, just looking at the meta, I mean, I don't think Doomsday top 32. I can't, I could be wrong. I don't want to leave anybody out. I think they won on Saturday. It was a really interesting, I saw it on Twitter, kind of a really interesting Doomsday list running Murktide. Yeah, the kind of blue-black yep. tempo We We Doomsday. briefly mentioned it, but we decided not to cover it very much just because I don't really know Doomsday that well. So like, I can't look at a Doomsday list running Merktide Tempo cards and know what's not there. Right. So if you guys want to check it out, I'm pretty sure it won on Saturday. Obviously, it's a really cool kind of innovation to slam a two mana 8-8 eight, eight into your Doomsday deck. Yeah, in in both of our opinions, speaks to the power of Merktide Regent. Yep. But as far as Super Qualifier goes, I didn't see any Doomsday lists in it. And as far as XJ Cloud's D&T list goes, I don't see anything... I don't see any doomsdays in that either. Well, sorry, definitely don't see any doomsdays, <laughs> but uh, I don't see anything particularly interesting. Yep, nothing spicy there. Um, next up in third, we've got four color control. Uh, this looks like red band. Red band with. Yep. Is this running the whole breacher combo, or is it just running whole breacher? No, it's just running whole breacher. Yep, just one whole breacher, just because he's a, still a very good card. Yep, that's a good card. Yeah, looks like it's just the one whole breacher, couple expressive iterations, and then you've got uh, red in the side for yep. various stuff like. Reb pyroblast who, who meltdown was this honorong that that made this con, this conglomeration of red band I think I, I don't know for sure if it was I him, think it was honorong that came up with it wouldn't that. surprise me at all if it yeah. was just it just it literally is a band control list with expressive iteration in the main although this only has two I think usually four but whatever and then a few red cards inside meltdown pyroblast it just gives you access to like literally the same four red cards every red band list yeah. plays yep. So nothing super spicy there. Uh, fourth place, we've got Archon with Reanimator. 
Archon again. Yep. Guy's a beast. He is. Take it over, Jake. So reanimator list with our typical I and mean, this looks like the exact same list we he was running i believe it was last week when we saw him yeah and this i think he ran back the same list even into the sideboard this looks almost identical yep because he doesn't have that uh enchantment that destroys enchantments he's mm-hmm. just got the silences yeah this looks really <laughs> i literally thought of the name of that the next day on my drive to work and can you remember it and now? i have since forgotten it <laughs> <You're> like, curses <laughs> serenity Serenity, yeah, 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 yeah. Just got it. Yep. Yep, no Serenities. But yeah, he's got the f- total of six unmasks. Yep. The Chancellor's in the main. One Archon, one Sarah's yeah. Emissary. Other than that, a very standard reanimator package. And then sideboard with a couple white cards like Wear, Terror, Silence, and... I mean, Iona, but... Yeah. Yeah. She's white in the technical the sense. Echoing Truth might be di- might be new. Uh, I don't think we saw Echoing Truth last week, but I could be wrong. Almost the exact same list they ran last week. Which, I mean, more power to him. Yep. They, they have he's a, clearly found success with they, it. He's very good at what he does. He's, he's found a winning Challenges list. in a row. Mm-hmm. Challenges and then a super qualifier. In fifth place, we've got Madness. This should give people like me and Joe, one of my friends, uh, this is pretty exciting. I'm real, like, it's done well in the past, but I'm really excited to see Madness top yep. a uh, super qualifier, like a bigger event. Big fan of the deck. That's a real I, rite of passage for the deck. If I had $5,500, this would probably be the deck I would build. Like, I mean, realistically, you just need the Lion's Eye Diamonds. Again, I maintain, if it wasn't for Lion's Eye Diamond, this is a good budget deck because you've got four Badlands. One's fine. Yeah, like you could get away with a, a Taiga and a Badlands. Like, yeah. Just, especially to start. Yep. This deck is so fast and aggressive. Like, like Blue Red Delver needs Volcanics because you can't be hurting yourself that much. Yeah. Well, the big thing there is days. Like, like yeah. you can't be... You, you can't have non basics. <laughs> bouncing a steam vents back and forth. Yeah, you can't have non you can't have basics and you can't have um shock lands coming in and out. Like something like red bant. You need dual lands because you need access to your mana right now. You can't be you can't shock in six lands this game. Something like this, you're totally fine to get some shock lands. If you end up having a shock turn one or two, you're fine. Like there's gonna be games where that does matter. Those are gonna be far and few between. The games that you win, you're probably gonna win handily with fourteen or fifteen life. And the games that you lose, you're going to lose handily. Yeah. It's a very glass cannon kind yep. of build. Just all in on basking Root Walla, yep. which is just something I love to say. I am all in on Root Walla. Yes. On a one or a zero mana one one. Yeah. But it's a pretty cool list. The relatively stock. Some of the things we see is like some of the modern decks. Like this is one of those that's kind of, it's kind of limited by its design. There's only yep. so many playable madness cards. Yep. Or things that, you know, like Vengevine doesn't have madness. Yes. But it's hollow, it goes, hollow one. Yep. And that's that's really what they're all in on. Just so everyone knows, I know like you need a critical mass of the root wallas, mm-hmm. but like they kill you with vengeance. I mean, in fairness, it's true. I've seen a lot of games where uh, blazing root wall is obviously way better, but blazing root wall and basking root wall really clean oh, games yeah, up. Because usually you'll get one or two waves where you'll get in with hopefully two venge vines or a venge vine and a hollow one, get them to like eight, and then blazing root wall is chipping in for three a turn mm-hmm. is very serious. Yep. Next up in six, we have... That's called Jeskai. Yep, I'm just looking at the list. Well, there's a couple different <laughs> types of Jeskai. This is just straight Jeskai control. It does not have the whole Breacher combo in it. This is actually right up your alley. This is this is Azorius control. So this is Azorius control with literally one or yeah. two red cards in it. Yep. But, I mean, that's all Jeskai control was in the yeah, exactly. day anyways. But yeah, this is... This is Merktide, basically what you used to run. Merktide and Monastery Mentor. I don't. I obviously didn't run the Merktides. Yeah. Uh, I ran the Mentors. Mentors are one of my favorite cards to play in Legacy. 
Mark Tide's probably a better card, but Mentor is a lot fun. <laughs> I guarantee you Mark Tide is a better card. <laughs> but yes, this is actually, again, if I was going to fire up and go play a legacy event that I cared about, I would be building this deck or something very similar. Yeah, whether or not you get green for Uro or red for Honestly, Pyroblast. Uh, I would probably or, run the red. I like the iterations. I started playing a little bit of Historic again, and I have gotten to play with Iteration for the first time. That card's stupid, man. Yep. So I like the iterations. I would probably cut the Merktides for Monastery Mentor 1, because I don't own Merktides. And 2, I just like Mentor better. Well, this has both. Yes, but it's running yeah. it's running 2-3 split. So I'd probably run 4-1, or or maybe like an extra Snapcaster Mage or something. Yeah. I would run more Mentors, because I like Mentor a lot. You going to try to squeeze Jason there? I don't think so. I think I'm off. I'm becoming more and more off the Jace plan, and just more... Uh, to fairy time ravelers gotcha like i i just don't think that jace is worth it in so many instances because it's just so quickly answered to fairy at least immediately he has a lower input cost he has a ability to immediately pay for himself although jace does too with his brainstorm yeah but he impacts the board in a more significant way so if you don't consider jace a win con he's not very good card advantage He's okay, but he's very slow card advantage. And he doesn't impact the board really in any way. Except maybe Bouncer Creature. Where, or I should say the board, the game. Teferi impacts the game in one of the most significant ways Magic has ever seen. Yeah, he turns off Force Will. Which is by, I mean... I mean, uh, among other things, but yeah. that's the big thing. is Your spells always resolve is yes. big. And, just like, it, and it just shuts off so many avenues of play for your opponent. When you're... It, I said it before, when you have a Teferi out and you're playing Magic, it feels like you have cheat codes on. Yeah. So, for that well, reason... Especially with Legacy being about, uh, let's see, 66% of the top 32 in the Super Qualifier were running Force of Will? Yeah. Like, between end, end, of, end of turn brainstorms, Force of Wills, Swords of Plowshares, Lightning Bolts, like, you just remove all of that bullshit tricks out of Magic for your opponent only, and it's not even a game anymore. Not so, And it's also one of those things where, like, the game just revolves around him so heavily. You're just guaranteed to you're guaranteed to get a two for one. Where if you play him, draw a card, almost for almost guaranteed they're going to be removing it with at least one card, and you can maybe fight over it and have them spend two or three cards on it. Like yeah. I'm on the. Which, to be fair, often happens with Jace, but Jace costs one more mana as well. He does, so, and double blue. Yes, so, so like he costs thirty percent more. He has an extra. He's double blue instead of blue white. Yeah, I'm I'm much more on the like if you've got room for Jace. And you can play Teferi. You should probably play more Teferis. Like, Teferis are so good. Well, and especially in this list, like, the trade-off there is you pay an extra one. Because I would disagree a little bit. Like, if Jay sticks, his card advantage is brutal. Because, yes, you're, I mean, you're brainstorming every turn, so that's plus one card. Mm -hmm. But combined with the fetches, those brainstorms, as we all know, are more than one card. Yep. But... With something like Merktide, you don't need Jace to kill your opponent anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you just have crazy good creatures. Or, or so like even you, if just, you just have a bunch of mentors. Right. Like it's like yeah, Jace is really good for the win on turn fifteen. Right. But you I don't want need to, to go to turn fifteen anymore. No, with, I want to ferry in these decks where like I want to establish a win con and then win two turns later. Yeah. And that's Merktide will accomplish that, and so will Mentor unless yep. you have a complete. There's dud no of a reason hand. to let the game go ten turns yeah. after Jace. Yeah. There's no reason to ultimate Jace anymore. And so, at which point there's no reason to pay thirty percent more for yeah, your planeswalker. Like if, if you're if if you're only running Jace for card advantage, I have a secret. There's better card advantage for less than four mana. Yep. So you should look at that before you run Jace, in my opinion. He's still an amazingly powerful card, but I will well, try just, and fit in more Teferis. It's one of those things, like Jace, the Mind Sculptor, has been 
just iconic in yep. Magic since he was printed. He's probably he's borderline a pillar. And, and the thing is, he seems almost no play in Legacy and almost no play in Modern right yep. now. But I think like if you ask somebody like like this, I maybe not a pillar, but just like he is definitely an icon. Like he yeah, is, he's an icon. He's of, a face of Legacy and Magic just as a whole. Yeah. Like his well, pictures. Yes. Like everywhere, like yeah, but I, I just mean like as far as like the format is concerned, like like Jace is just one of the dudes, and nobody plays him. And I'm sitting here being like, I don't think I would play him. Yeah, I'm not gonna try and find room for him. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind, while the brainstorm has obviously brainstorming just in general is great, you're not running miracle cards anymore in these control lists. Yeah, so you also this just another notch in the belt or another notch against him, yeah. and where it's just like he just does a little bit less every single every time, single time, and it's. And the power creep of cards in general, like four is such a large hurdle. Yep. Three it's, is two. And that means four is just so much more. Yeah. Never think about it for any new listeners. Never think about mana in terms of one individual mana. Think about it as relative terms. Yeah. Like two is twice as much as one. Yep. You oh, need to get a lot more yeah. out of it. Uncom- it's uncomparable. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, this card only costs two and it doesn't want the same thing. If you're looking at just raw power, uncomparable. Yep. They don't, they're not even remotely the same. Yep. Moving on in seventh place, we have eight cast. Hey. Another one of my favorite decks. Some really fun decks in this top eight. It sucks that there were so many Delver <laughs> decks in the whole thing. Cause there's, some, well, this is like kind of like a modern style top eight where we've yeah. got eight cast madness, couple control lists, two control lists. I guess those are, our, those are our two spicy one ofs, like the eight cast and the madness, but still really cool. Yep. I mean, I, I consider, you can almost consider Azorius Control or Jeskai Control kind of spicy because we just haven't seen control lists for months. Now, we saw a couple of them, like, one or two in one week. They, they, they became a thing again, but for months we didn't see a viable control list. Well, and part of that was Ragavan, and that's what one of the things that I think has held true. Getting rid of Ragavan allowed Control to get just get a couple more percentage points back because that card was just a beating against them. Because they're running, there's so many cards yeah. that it can flip. Like, oh, it yeah. actually is a card advantage engine yeah. for Blue-Red Delver in that matchup. It is. It's and, scary. And in fairness, it, we did see Control become a thing while Ragavan was still there. Yes, we did. But it definitely helps the decks with, because they're not, yeah. they're usually not running Ragavan, and their deck is just full of great flips. Yeah. And it's always good when you're paired up against a deck full of good flips for your Ragavan. So, as far as 8-cast goes, I don't see any... Any super anything super spicy here? Yeah, this is what we expect. Yep. For Emery, for Psy, for Thoughtmont. No Lion's uh, Eye Diamond, but your, that hasn't been a thing for Nope. And I think we months. I think we, we called that relatively soon that like Lion the Lion's Eye Diamond package into the days undoing is just so not worth it, probably. Like your deck's already doing enough of it at once. Yep. So not worry about that. that. Yep. It'll lean into that. Yep. Like you're like like what Julian says, don't diversify to get a few extra percentage points here or there. Find out what your deck is good at, and then do the heck out of it. So in eighth place, we've got Blue Red Delver. So only two in the top book eight. Bookending the top eight, we got another Brazen Borrower as the. I mean, this list. I mean, not that Blue Red Delver lists look a whole lot different. This looks incredibly similar. Like the fetches are. A, he's got a steam vents in there. Steam vents stuff like that, but we're not talking about steam vents and Mystic Sanctuary. Here. Like yeah. that's that's we, we saw this last week that Mystic Sanctuary package inside of Delver, which I just think is a weird choice. Just the idea that you're going to have four islands. This is your fourth island. But in fairness, Mystic Sanctuary is probably one of the most powerful lands printed in the last ten years. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, at least in my opinion, it warrants testing. Mm-hmm. In in most things that could abuse it, you should at least try it. Yeah, because the upside is huge. The card's very powerful. 
So it's just one of those things where like, well, do we do we know that this slight variation of the mana base is better than this one? Mm-hmm. We don't know yet. Yep. So and with with the the Delver deck for sure is in is in uh, upheaval right now. Yeah. Legacy did not see the upheaval people wanted with this band, but the Delver deck is for sure in upheaval. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got Brazen Bar Wars in it. That's it's got one <laughs> and Chain Lightning. Yep. Back to it. It really kind of made me sad to see Chain Lightning go. Now, I 100% get it, because, I mean, effectively, Expressive Iteration kind of took that spot. Expressive Iteration is way better than Chain Lightning, so I get it. But I'm happy man, to see that, I tell that you real what, commitment to that aggressive you build. Get, you get to turn seven, you're both top decking with empty boards, and you rip Expressive. Mm-hmm. I know. It feels like ripping Ancestral Recall. <laughs> it's not cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's our top eight. We'll just do the metagame breakdown. We've got 11 blue-red Delver decks in the top 32. 34.38%. Uh, the, o- the only thing... Or sorry, the, the next... Sorry, the, only thing, the next most popular... Is other. Is other. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bunch just, of one-ofs. Yep, just, just one-ofs or decks that uh, MTG Goldfish doesn't know how to exactly classify. Stuff like that. That's where we've got... So it's that, funny. To be honest, I actually look at that as a good thing. Yeah. Because once, those are individual decks and you got a little bit of diversity there that gets yeah. kind of lumped once into Once you one get category. past Delver being 35% of the meta or 34 and a half, it's yeah, it's a bunch of twos and ones. Yeah, which is what you want to see. Yeah. Like again, you don't have to have something quite as diverse as modern, but I think we could all agree that 35% effectively of the metagame being one deck is too much. Yeah. So next up we've got Death and Taxes is two, eight cast at two, sneak and hey. Sneak and show. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, we haven't seen any sort of show and tell build in a while. We have. They, they just ran reanimator in the game one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, I'm actually just as a quick aside, curious as I don't. Um, I want to wow, say sneak attack. I sneak and show deck did well in a challenge. I, I think I saw something on Twitter where sneak and show had put some numbers up somewhere else too. Oh yeah, and the thing is, it doesn't surprise me. It's just one of those. I mean, it's a very powerful deck. It it's. I don't want to say it's easy to play, but it's. Those A B combos, there's not as much room for error as something like Doomsday. So it's it's not surprising to see it pop up. I'm just I hate playing against it as an elves player because I'm a turn slower than they are. I don't want it gone from the meta. So I'm happy to see that it's still a thing. Yeah. Most played cards, force of will, sixty-six percent of decks. Gasp. Ugh, that's higher than we've seen it that is. in a while. But I mean, a lot of that's just coming off the back of Blue Red Delver. Yeah. I mean, half that is Blue Red Delver. Uh, Brainstorm, Ponder, Surgical, and Expressive Iteration. Top Creatures, Murktide, Delver, DRC, Simeon Spirit Guide, uh, and Elvish Reclaimer. It's and, interesting to see Simeon Spirit Guide as one of the top creatures. Yep, it's probably, it's got at least one of the lists that I was looking at for the Sneak and Show had it. Yeah. And then you probably have like, like Blood Moon, stuff like that. So it only has yeah, to be, given stompy. how, yeah, given how the meta breakdown was it only has to eke Ooh. out one other deck see this 11th place was hogak yep we haven't seen a hogak deck put up numbers since endurance came out yeah it's been a while but yeah i what is this this is uh running four Seder wayfinders when etbs reveal the top four cards of your library oh put the rest in the graveyard so you mill three cards essentially got undead butcher or undead butler etb mills three and when it dies, you may exile it, and then you get to put a creature from your graveyard into your hand. Interesting. Sorry, I just saw. Yeah. Um, 
Hogax probably one of like my favorite like pet decks. I think it's a I I think it's one of the most fun decks to play in Legacy. Just like as a raw fun factor. If you're not so you're not playing Force of Wills, you're not playing um hand trips. You're just you're just taking your turn. You're vomiting and you're saying go and you f six and walk away for yeah. the most part. And it's fun. It is and so it's much very fun. Powerful. To play. It's mm-hmm. it's as much as I don't like playing them a ton. It is fun to get behind the the wheel of like a very powerful linear deck yeah. and just go for a cruise basically yep. where you're just like, I'm going to hogack your face. Unfortunately it runs, this is one of those like, unfortunately it runs a bunch of duels. Although you could probably get away with not, not running the duels. Yeah. This deck's aggressive enough. And like, this is my version of an elf deck where it's like, you have a really solid grindy uh, attack plan. where like, I'm just going to, with all these cards like stitcher supplier, I'm going to draw two or three cards a turn by putting them in the graveyard. Well, and then you have blood gas and Vengevine. To yep. be face really well into really good grindy creatures you can sacrifice for value reuse or you can you know get a couple of bridges in your graveyard and go infinite with hogak and ultra dementia so like yeah. you have that you have a grindy aggressive ag- it's not really grindy but a, a grindable but aggressive aggro plan you can always fall back and be like oh we need to play and we need to play combo and you can try and combo off on like turn four yep one and one of the things that with elves and this is the same thing with hogak your opponents have to respect the combo and that makes them have to allow some of your creatures that otherwise wouldn't normally get stick yeah get to stick they get stick and you can start beating face with those you know yep. grave crawlers or blood gas or venge vines like you get a couple of those out and they can't really deal with them because they have to keep their swords in hand for when you go to combo yeah. off with hogak it doesn't combo off it just for when you pay zero mana for an eight eight trample yep like Hog- hogak was the original murktide yeah, he was, and he crapped all over modern. Yeah, <laughs> turns out eight eights for two are still really strong. Yep. Maybe we should stop. Yep, turns out an eight eight with delve shouldn't be printed. Yep, probably uh, top spells: force will, brainstorm, ponder, surgical, express federation. Oop. Round out legacy. So yeah, that's legacy. I don't really know what else to say other than thirty four percent. Thirty four percent. You know what? Delver to the moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's it's awful. I I don't want Legacy to look like this anymore. So we'll see what happens. Let's pop over to Modern. Yep. I'll be honest. I have not been in the Modern world much lately uh, between playing Satisfactory and just kind of being busy. I have not been consuming any Modern content. I've not been playing any Modern really. So we'll go through the decks a little bit. There's some stuff in here I don't recognize. I just... You stop watching stuff for literally two weeks or a week and a half. And In modern, a lot changes. And everything changes. So we're going to go through the meta like we do every week. We'll go through the decks. We'll take a look at them. But I won't have as much to say this week. I just don't. I don't have as much insight into the current, current modern meta because it just changes so quickly. Speaking of not having much to say about the current modern meta, first place on Sunday, Benji GX brought it home with this, like, to me, incredibly novel white red Luris list. So we've got a Bomat Courier. Then we've got DRC, Esper Sentinel, Ragavan, Voldaren Epicure, which is a one mana one one. ETBs, it pings your opponent for one damage, and you create a blood token, which if you didn't play any Vow uh limited, you would you wouldn't know that a blood token is a one or someone. It's an artifact. You can pay one, sacrifice it, and rummage. You discard a card and then draw a card. That's a weird choice. I don't know. I don't know why you're dedicating two slots in your deck to a one mana one one that lets you rummage later like there's a, i would run more bomat couriers in that spot <laughs> like bomat curry at least has the upside of drawing you four cards eventually but what do i know I, in fairness what do i know we've got four crack the earth 
which maybe that's the synergy you're looking for with the Voldaren Epicure, where you can crack the earth and sacrifice your piddly little crappy blood token. Interesting. Weird. Well, typically speaking, crack the earth is played in land destruction list. Because you just you yeah. get ahead. Well, a you lot of times that's only permanent. Right. But like you had to say, I mean, you're you're losing something and I guess maybe you're just getting used to those extra lands because you're a Luris deck, so you're so low anyway, but I mean, case in point, you're talking about, we've got four boom busts, so clearly we're on a... And four man, mana tithe, man, yeah, and which four is only tithe. effective if, they're play, if you're playing land destruction. A man denial strategy. And then we've got four prismatic ending and four lightning bolts, just for generic removal, a couple bobble, well, a full set of bobbles, and then a shadow spear for the Urza Saga. Yeah, this, so outside of just the fact that it's cool that this is, this is spicy as hell, right? Like, there's not really anything floating around like this that I've seen, and I'm sure, I'm sure people have been brewing it for a while so like you know we're not the first people to see this this is one of the reasons why i like urza saga it, like this deck does not exist without urza saga probably not the flexibility of urza saga to come in and just make some constructs in the mid to late game uh get shadow spear to maybe get to the life gain to get to oh, get over the hurdle i will say bomat courier as a target for urza saga is Pretty I slick. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because he cost one. I forgot <laughs> yeah. about that target. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty dope. Turning your Urza Saga just into a hasty into a dude. Yep. Into a hasty dude that might, again, like, might just draw you four cards in a couple turns. Yeah. It's so hard to kill a Bomat Courier because it's just a little 1 1. And it's also so hard not to kill a Bomat Courier because as soon as they've got, oh, they've got three cards in their hands. Yeah, but they're all lands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to discard those lands and draw three new cards. And. It is so hard. I get got by Bowmat Courier so often. We're like trying to time the right time to kill it, save my removal spells, optimal time, and I usually get caught with my pants on the ground. Yeah. Second place was a kind of interesting take on Hammer Time that I haven't seen, I don't know, ever, but definitely not recently, was an Azorius Hammer Time list. So usually you see Mono White Hammer Time, or you see Orchop Hammer Time, which basically buys you into maybe some duresses and some inside, and Thought Seasons in the main. Usually you see your thought seizes in the main. Azorius Hammer Time buys you one Lavinia Azorius Renegade, which is by far one of my favorite cards printed in the last two years. I love that card. Yep. We're playing fair magic today, boys. <laughs> and a couple spell pierces in the side. So if you don't know what Lavinia does from, uh, what's the crown? That's, uh, oh, I couldn't tell you. The, where are the guilds? Ravnica. It's, yeah, it's from one of, the new, one of the recent Ravnica sets. I think it's Ravnica Allegiance. White to blue. For a 2-2 legendary human soldier, each opponent can't cast non-creature spells with converted mana cost greater than the number of lands that player controls. So that does hit on things like maybe Tron for, I guess just for Karn. They still get their creatures, but it has some side effects. But whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. So I have seen a lot of Hammer Time uh, played and, and played against. And Fury is just, like, one of the worst things to mm -hmm. happen to Hammer Time. Obviously, Solitude is, too, because Solitude is just great to come in and clean up those, like, immediate wins on turn three. Yeah. Just having the perfect answer for a... Um, one giant dude. What's the, what's the, what's the land? Ink Moth Nexus or mm -hmm. for an Ornithopter with, you know, a hammer or two on it. Lavinia answers that so cleanly. Like, Lavinia is one of those, like, if you've got, if I have room for a fun of in my sideboards, even in Legacy, I usually squeeze one Lavinia in because she's just so fun to play. She gets a lot of cards stuck in a lot of people's hands, especially in Legacy. So I like to bring it, you bring it in some of your, um, in your combo matchups that are like, that use a lot of fast mana. If you can survive, you can get like Mox Diamonds, Mox Opals, 
Lion's Eye Diamonds, tons of zero cost, because zero cost is countered, because yep. no mana was spent to cast it, and it it uh, it did a similar thing to Teferi, where it locks out your Force of Wills. I can still force, because it's only whenever an opponent casts a spell that no, that no mana was spent, but you don't get to. And so I've also started to run it in, if I'm playing a deck that has blue-white, but isn't running counter magic, sometimes <laughs> I'll throw it in there, just kind of as a fun of. But the whole like, if I'm not using counter magic for free, neither you're either. not using counter magic for free. Yeah. So like, I I toyed around playing that in my reanimator deck in modern because I don't run force negation or anything, and it's a real beating if you do because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm dedicating a lot of resources to get this creature reanimated, and it's just a good way to like I said, make us all play fair. We're all paying for our spells, and none of us are cheating on mana, or at least at least ramping with um like spells. Yep. Yeah, and bringing it back to modern. Like we talked about earlier, the two big things that it hits the elementals and then yep. cascades. So That's you true. get yep. elementals, you get cascade, you got anti Tron hate. Yeah. Like that card just does a heck of a lot of work for two mana. Yep. Now it's only one of, so it's not obviously a main board plan, but it's just a really cool, really flexible card that I like seeing. I, yep. I was happy to see that. And that's, that's basically what you buy yourself into. I do see one of the things that you know I don't see very often in these hammer time lists is a restoration specialist. So two mana, two one, pay a white, sacrifice it, return up to two, up to one target artifact and up to one target enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. That's obviously good for getting Sakarta's aid, hammer time, or uh, colossal hammer, Urza saga, Urza saga, um, Esper sentinel. Like you can get some, yeah, some pretty gets, good stuff with that. Like I yeah. mean, it's it, it's three mana, so that kind of sucks, but it is get basically whatever you need back. And then Matt saw us, I, I rushed over it, a blacksmith skill in the main. So one mana instant target permanent gains hexproof and indestructible until the end of turn. And if it's an artifact creature, it gets plus two, plus two. Yep. Really interesting. Just kind of nice, clean, elegant um, protection spell. Kind of like the snake, basically the snakeskin veil yeah. of white. Mm-hmm. Third place was a Demir mill list. We haven't seen mill in a while. And that's because as you heard us talk about you've been seeing eldrazi in the side just random eldrazi random emrakul random kozilek they put them away and as soon as they're gone for a little bit uh who is this delthar comes in and brings it home brings home third place with a the lurus eight crab list i don't see anything in this that's particularly outside of mill mill's one of those it's not like solved but it's it falls into that there's there's a distinct number of the best mill spells no four Four archive trap, four Tasha's hideous laughter, four fractured sanity. The cryptic, the crypt incursion, I haven't seen. That is a little different. So two and a black for an instant exile all creature cards from target player's graveyard, and then you gain each uh, three life for each card exiled this way. A really great way to help combat Luris decks. Like three mana is is a fine place to be if you're worried about Luris decks because Luris isn't coming out coming down till turn five, six, or seven anyway, and you get to remove most of the value. They can still bobble loop you, but well and. It also, it buys you time yes. against aggressive decks. Like, you're going to be milling them, and you're basically, the, you're in a drag race, right? Yep. You don't have a ton of ways to interact on the board, but, so you just, like, you know, mill a bunch of stuff, yep. and then, well, I'm going to get a bunch of life back. And it's important to remember that you're fighting on a very inefficient axis, where yeah. you started at 20 life, your opponent starts at 60. Yep. Because that's their, you ha- your, your goal is to mill their deck, so... That is a that is a really good way to kind of balance those out a little bit, where you can gain some of that life back, buy you the extra maybe two or three turns you need to get through their their attacking. Yep, and I imagine that's like just looking at the lists, you probably have about six to eight 
flex slots, and that's basically your fatal pushes and your crypt incursions, where it's just like, you know, you don't have to run fatal push in that slot. You need to run good removal. Yep. That kind of thing. Good, not die cards. I right. don't die. Yep. Fourth place was a four-color blink list with Yorion, and this is running the Eternal Witness Ephemerate package. That It's kind of funny. I was watching Star City Games on YouTube, and I can't remember who I was watching, but they were playing some modern stuff, and they brought up this four-color list and the Eternal Witness package, and he agreed with me, whereas like, it just seems clunky and bad, the Eternal Witness loop with Ephemerate. Everyone keeps running it, and that's fine. I don't think it's very good. I've seen it take over game take over games and then they just lose four turns later because all they did was twiddle their thumbs and draw a yeah. couple extra cards and you like dirtle. you didn't kill your opponent but well and that's that's one of the downsides of this deck is there are very few cards that do kill your opponent efficiently at least yeah so but you've got a lot of this is i i call it etv tribal so ice van quadal omnath fury solitude eight planeswalkers between ren and six and teferi you're pretty generic they run almost all the same spells this only runs two ephemerate Usually you see four, but a couple bolts, endings, unholy heat, counterspell, expressive iteration. One lightning helix is a little weird, but what are you going to do? But yeah, like ETB tribal, I'm going to say it again. Don't fall for the eternal witness ephemerate trap. It is a trap. You you can put better cards in those spots that just kill your opponent. Yeah, I haven't played the deck. Just looking at it, like I would probably run like one witness just because it gives you the chance for that kind of stuff. It gives you the upside. I like I'd go... Again, I'm not trying to critique this guy's list because I've never even played this deck. But like how I typically build stuff, I'd run like one wit- witness and two more ephemerates. Yeah. Like, because I, what I want to be doing is pitching cards to cast Fury and Solitude for free and ephemerating them for value. Like getting them back. Yep. Like that's same thing with like your Omnath and whatnot. Like I, that's what I want to be doing. Like kill their thing, stick your threat, beat them to death with a Fury and a Solitude after nuking two of their creatures. Yeah. And then you like I the eternal witness there. I like having the option of that because sometimes, you know, getting stuff back is cool. Giving yourself that one of for like getting that like loop going is fine with without committing a bunch of three mana cards to your deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, def- I get running one like it's just a good card. And it's there are a lot of times where like, you need that card back. But yeah, I think people fall into the trap of like trying to eke out as much value as possible. And you just get in this like weird loop of chasing your own tail, trying to draw as many cards as you can without effectively yeah. getting to the you end of the game. You still need to deal 20 damage. Yeah. And you need to get there as quickly as possible. Especially, again, every set that gets printed modern keeps getting more and more powerful yep. and giving your... And faster. Yeah, and giving your opponents turns, letting them untap mm-hmm. so you can draw a couple extra cards isn't yep. always the best thing to do. And, you know, you've got, like, counter spells and removal, but as you just let them get later in the game, you start getting closer and closer to the... They're going to cast two spells in one turn or three spells in one turn. Yeah. I've seen it happen plenty of times where... They just get to where they have eight mana, and then they go, you know, game-breaking four-drop, countered. Okay, game-breaking four-drop. Oh, right. now I don't have any counter spells. Fifth place was like a Obosh, just red deck. Like, it's not like red burn, but it's just like red good stuff. It's just another Urza Saga deck, and that that's what I mean. Like, Basically. I, like, I, I mean, like, these kind of existed before Urza Saga, but I think Urza Saga just kind of brings it up into a playable tier for sure. So, well, yeah, but I mean, like, Chandra Dressed to Kill... <laughs> Sonder just a kill is nothing to sneer at. That card's really good in modern. So, I mean, three mana for a three loyalty planeswalker. It's plus one is you get a red mana back, which casts most of the things in the stack anyway. And then it deals one damage to a creature player or, or sorry, to a player or planeswalker. I'm not saying it's a bad card. Saying you probably wouldn't see it very often without Urza Saga. 
is I, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Its other plus one is you exile top card of your library, and if it's red, you may play it this turn. So that's red's basically card draw. And then minus seven, which that's never going to happen, but whatever. You exile the top five cards of your library. You may cast red spells from among them this turn. And you get an emblem with whenever you cast a red spell, this emblem deals X damage to any target where X is the amount of mana spent to cast that spell. But yeah, Chandra Desta Kills is a pretty dope planeswalker to get out. Good mana acceleration, good card draw, and I mean, pseudo card draw in the mid to late game. Things dope. So four Dragon Rage Channeler, four Ragavan, four Season Pyromancer. That card is so so stupid. Season Pyromancer is ridiculous. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, and then you've got Lightning Bolts, Unholy Heats, and Light the Stages. So literally twelve burn spells. Uh, four of them can go, or eight of them can go to face, and then four of them are just the best one mana removal spell you can get in red. And then four Pyrite Spell Bomb just for more raw damage. And four Seal of Fire. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and four Seal of Fire just yep. like. Just as much damage to face as possible. Not and keep you know, and you notice Pyrite Spell Bomb, Seal of Fire, Soul Guide Lantern, Ragavan, DRC, Lightning Bolt, all castable with Chandra. I'm sure that's an accident. Right. Like this is a very, very well designed list. Very, very well put together. And yeah, and then four Urza Saga, because why not? And love four Soul Guide Lantern. So good card advantage if you have to, turning your Urza Saga into drawing a card. And also just like graveyard. As long as Luris is going to be in 50 to 60% of the decks, like you yeah. can you can just make Luris not count. Just run more graveyard hate. Mm-hmm. And Soulguide Lantern is the perfect intermediary where when this when the graveyard hate matters, it's graveyard hate. When the card advantage matters, it's a card. Yep. It's very flexible in the best uh-huh. way. Sixth place was Belcher. Hey, I'm gonna say that thing I say every time where Belcher lists seem to be relatively stock and they have to run kind of the same thing because they're running a very specific plan. And they run a lot of the same stuff like Infernal Plunge and Desperate Ritual and these spells that help generate a bunch of extra mana to make their deck do their thing. I don't see anything special about this list. Other than it came in like sixth place, and that's awesome. Good job, Belcher. Seventh was another of these like red-white lists that I didn't even know existed. What is going on? And like I love this. Yeah. I'm not trying to knock it in any way, shape, or form. Modern is the wild west it, at this it, point. It's, 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 <laughs> it's crazy. It's like we look at these top eights every single week i usually watch a lot of modern content these just came out of left field for me i had no clue they were coming so another Luris list uh same creatures bomat courier esper sentinel drc ragavan these same spells yep the same deck the only thing this is it's not running what was that creature the I, epicure thing it's not running epicure i think it's running wasn't it running where did where they find two more oh uh I, we, we didn't have chromatic star we lost the Epicure and something else for a couple of chromatic stars in the main just for, I mean, it's, it's a, it's, I almost guarantee it's there just for Luris loops. Just so you can get your, like the best thing to do with Luris most of the time is Mishra Bobble loops just to draw your cards. Chromatic star is just another less efficient way to do that. There are, there could be times where, you know, you need that mana filtering, but I, I don't think that's very often. It probably comes up a little more often than you think, just given that you run like uh crack the earth and boom bust. You know like, what? Maybe you're right. Yeah. Like it, again, it's probably not the main reason it's in there. It's not even in the uh, other list, was it? No. But it's just one of those things where, like, you again, you just get a little bit of extra yep. value and draw in your card. It is a it is a it is a pretty good thing for crack the earth to sacrifice. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that makes sense too. Yep. But yeah, it's it, I, I didn't think about how much how much how many of your own lands you're destroying. So yep. that that mana filtering might might be very important. Good point. And then eighth place 
was kind of the Azorius control as we've seen running around for a while. Kahira as your companion. Four solitudes are your only creatures. Three to fairy time raveler, the three fairy, and then two to fairy here of Dominaria as like your main finisher. Then you've got just tons of control, including think twice. Oh, think which twice. is pretty That's spicy. Kicking it old school. That's something you don't see very often. So <laughs> I just made myself sad. I referred to a time spiral card as old school. <laughs> Two mana draw a card with flashback for three. That card was everywhere in standard when it came out. If you uh, remember Justin Parnell from mm-hmm. yeah. his podcast is called Think Twice. He does a podcast and a pop culture cast in the same one. That's cool. It is it's pretty neat. I'll have to check that out. I really like Parnell. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know how often he's been. I, I stopped listening a little while ago. I don't know how often he's been recording. I know he's going through some pretty rough personal stuff with his dad for the last like three or four months. And they're very busy at Commander Versus. Anyways. Yeah, they work their butt up. Like he hasn't been on Commander Versus oh, wow. for months. Oh. Um, just to paraphrase what I it, it's all on Twitter. This yeah. is all public. I think his father had a pretty serious stroke. And they've been, they've been, he's, I, he's, I believe he's, he's fine, but he's working through recovery. He's been the whole, like, he's been eating through a tube. He's, you know, he lost a lot of control. He's trying to fight his way back and a lot of work to recover from something that serious. I'm really sorry to hear that. That really yeah, sucks. I, it really, um, I, that really hit me kind of hard because I like Parnell a lot and he's just an amazing content creator and an amazing person. Commander versus didn't get me into commander, but once I started playing commander, I was looking for commander content and they were the f- like it's they hooked so- me. I watched every single episode. I was into their like yeah. they're bickering and they're fighting in the points and who won the 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 season it championship is and stuff. Probably some of the best produced commander content out yeah, there. It, and it's, I mean, no surprise, it's Star City Games. Yeah, like they do a very good job. And it was kind of funny. I think I hopped on on like season two or three, or it was kind of like still kind of silly and a joke. And now it's on like season ten. And yeah. they're like they're they did live streams for a while. They're not, I don't think they're doing any more. But for a while, they did legit live streams. Yeah. It's a yeah, pretty, pretty cool, cool series. Like, if you're looking for some more, like, good, mostly casual EDH content, I highly recommend Commander Versus. Yeah. I almost bought, back when we had a four stack, I almost bought us all the playmats. Yeah, the, most people listening probably don't know this. We actually did a season using... We did. Uh, we had a, a very consistent playgroup for EDH, and we did a, a season using their rules for, like, yeah. first blood and, like, earning yep. points in games. I think you and I, we went and bought, like, we bought, like, 10 packs, and we made, we made a pot for yep. first place, and we had some stakes, and it was a lot of fun. And we had, it's, it's kind of funny how, when you, you put those point incentives into the game, it changes the game how much bit. the politics change. Yep. When we have it, there's a reason for Getting winning now. it matters. Yeah, it does. Saving someone can matter. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Anyway, back to modern. <laughs> uh, Archmage's Charm, Cryptic Command, Memory Deluge, a bunch of the stuff you would see. Yeah. Uh, Fire Ice. I This looks almost stock. I, I think one Chalice of the Void is a little low. I'm used to seeing two or three, but I mean, we're we're yeah. we're taking apart a sweater with a pair of tweezers here. That's our modern top eight. Looking at the metagame summary, uh, you, know, you know what the most popular deck was? What's that? Other <laughs> decks that just don't qualify for any specific um, category. Category, the exact opposite of Legacy, where right. Legacy was like, we have one deck that was all of them, and this one's like, we had a bunch of decks that were nothing, and that was actually the most common thing that happened was people playing weird other decks. Second place was Hammer Time. It's kind of weird to see Hammer Time in second place, but only twelve and a half percent. So it's still the it was the most common like named deck, but yeah. still really uncommon. Yeah, I mean, only four of the top uh, thirty two. We had Belcher and Crashing Footfalls, both at three, which Belcher being in third place is kind of weird. What is happening, dude? This is what we talked about. <laughs> I swear to God, it looks like it looks like what happens is every week for this. So 
set aside usually hammer time and maybe merc tide. Yeah. Take the rest of the decks, put them in a shaker, and then throw them on the table and just start picking them up. That's the order they're well, in. Well, like you look at this and it's like there's one death shadow list. There's is there a blue there's one merc tide list. One merc tide list. Like, a thopter combo. Those, um, that tier one that we talk about most weeks, like they're here, mm-hmm. but they're one or two of in the top so thirty two. So awesome. Thank you, Modern, for being you. Yeah, this is this is what is possible, and that's what drives me nuts when people talk about Legacy. Like, it's not necessary that a single deck has 10 to 20%. Like, a metagame doesn't have to have three or four decks that just dominate it all the time. Yeah. We're just used to it. Yep. Because that's what it is. That's just, there's so many things that people are just used to with Legacy. Um, that's, it just, it's, someone who's less enfranchised and someone who's become a lot more willing to kind of question what magic and legacy should be. It's, yep. it's crazy how many people just like, this is what legacy is and it's what it has to be forever. Cause what they decided it is. So I want to, cause we're talking as we wrap up modern, cause I'll, I'll read the numbers in a second. It's interesting. So I was talking to, I don't know if he wants to give his first name. I will. Cause he's a content creator himself. Phil Romans, who was the gentleman who emailed us. We've, we've sent some emails back and forth. I've been talking to him. So if you want to check out Phil's blogging experience, he's been blogging for like seven years, just about his like time and magic, the counterspell.blogspot.com. Check it out. It's a kind of a cool, I, I was reading it and it is a very like personable feeling blog style. And so mm-hmm. it feels like, what it feels like is like, we're just chatting. Like gotcha. we got together on like Sunday and he's just like, Hey, here's some stuff that happened in magic for me. And there's some stuff I was thinking about. And I saw this and it's just kind of really cool. And That's fun. awesome. One of things he told me is something that I've heard from, probably three or four people at this point, which means a hundred people have thought of it. We have a lot of our fans that don't play modern, don't really have an interest in playing modern, but are now becoming experts of the modern metagame just because they listen to it, listen to it every week. And it's really interesting. I've had, I've had multiple, multiple people reach out and say, I don't play modern or I didn't play modern, but thanks to you guys, I'm like, I'm really learning the modern metagame and I'm, you know, they started using us as a resource to keep an eye on modern. That's awesome. It's kind of really cool. Like we, when we first started this podcast, we borderline, we weren't going to talk about modern. Because we are primarily legacy players. Yeah. You can probably tell by the fact that our legacy is usually twice as long as our modern. But I was getting into modern at the time, and I really wanted to talk about modern. I thought it was a really cool format. It was in a really good place, and it's like just really fun to talk about. Well, and on top of that, you learn a lot by, like, every week we look at these metagames and we break down. And you learn a lot just going through this mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Like, obviously, you need to get in there and put in your reps if you're going to be actually playing in tournaments and whatnot. Yep. But like we're just talking about, just kind of dip in your toe yeah. in it. You start to absorb some of the stuff. You learn the metagame. I mean, you can rattle off most cards and most lists for like the, the again, that tier one and modern. Yep. You know what they're running. And, and you, that's because we look at it every week. Yep. And the, the people that listen, plenty of them that don't even play modern and didn't before, like... They, they, it's, it is really nice to hear people enjoying content they didn't maybe expect to enjoy. Yep. So that was, I just thought it was pretty cool. Hey, I would, we got to sell, we got to push people to TCG and cool stuff and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> got to pimp those products yeah. for them. <laughs> but no, I thought it was really cool. So I shout out to Phil Romans again. It was fun. It's fun talking to him and check out his blog. It's a, it's a cool little bit of uh like a uh, little uh, magic in general content just to, gotcha. just to kind of read once a week or whatever he posts. Let's read these cards and we'll wrap up because we're going to have a shorter episode this week because it turns out people don't like two hour episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. It was you the... don't like two hour episodes because you don't have to sure. got to edit it. I don't know if it was a two hour episode or if it was the fact that everybody was talking about Kamigawa and it was probably a little bit of both when it seems to be whenever whenever the entire magic community talks about one thing, 
everyone gets tired of hearing it seven times in a row. And that's fair. It's like being married. Right. (laughs) Quickly run through our metagame, or not our metagame summary, but our top cards. Most played cards, Prismatic Ending. Force of Vigor in second place. That's That's a bit higher than normal. Which is kind of weird because Hammer Time is the lowest we've seen it in weeks. Pay attention to these top five, and I'm going to quiz you very briefly afterwards. But... I want to finish. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. I that you know, it's probably maybe why hammer time's so low is everyone's packing their force of vigors there, which is again weird because hammer time hasn't been popular lately, but maybe it hasn't because of force of vigor. I don't know. Metagames are complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Third place, Esper Sentinel, fourth place, fourth place, Ragavan Nimble Pilfer, and fifth place, Mystical Dispute. I haven't seen that. That's a really cool card. I love Mystical Dispute. Yeah, Mystical Dispute's very good. When I was playing in Standard, I had a Fires of Invention deck because I played all the decks they banned. Yep. <laughs> Don't worry, I bought all of them. <laughs> and Mystical Dispute. So in that, I used to run Karuga, which was the Simic companion, but you mm-hmm. had to run spells that cost three or more. Yeah. And Mystical Dispute was the way I got a lot of people by having turn one, two, or three interaction. Nice. Because you reveal Karuga, and they're like, oh, everything costs three. And so then they go to, you know, they go to tap out on turn, on turn three or whatever, on turn two. And it's like, boom. Yeah, one blue. Yep, one blue. Top creatures, Esper Sentinel, Ragavan, DRC, Solitude, Stoneforge, Mystic, and top spells, Prismatic Ending, Force of Vigor, Mystical Dispute, Lightning Bolt, and Mistress Bobble. What'd you see, Matt, that you wanted to point out? The top most played cards, white card, green card, white card, red card, blue card. The only thing you're missing there is black. Like, Mm -hmm. that's almost... The whole spectrum there. Yeah, and like... The reason it popped into my head is you then compare that to something like Legacy, and it's blue, 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 white. Mm-hmm. Oh, Maybe you're red. Look at it? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I don't remember this week's. I mean, I'm sure there's probably blue, blue, blue. I think Surgical Extraction was on there, but isn't normally. It's normally Pyroblast. Yep. And then, like, a Ragavan or something like it was that. Iteration. Yeah, yeah, it was blue, one red, one black. Like that. And again, a lot of this stuff, this is more trivia than anything, but it's just... It's reflective of the diverse format in modern yep. when you're talking again, I'd like to see more black in there. But the the interesting thing is black is represented in modern, but it's in stuff like Yogmoth or Grix's mm-hmm. Death Shadow, where they don't share a lot of cards. Like realistically, you could you'd probably have a black card in there if yep. that's it. Your it, hammer times were all black, white, and not black blue it's and in, black white. It's in most of the hammer time lists, usually. Usually hammer time is uh is black white. Yeah. It's in a lot of the, it's in a number of the four color lists. It's in the reanimator lists. Like black is, black is, is, is decent in modern. Yep. It's definitely good. It's almost dead in legacy. Like black is just kind of, especially unheard fair of. black. Oh, like you oh, still have, yeah, what are you talking I mean, you've about? got, you know, doomsday or reanimator stuff like that, but nobody's, I don't playing. think we should call doomsday's fair deck. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm, I'm saying those are the, they, you've the, got, decks the, that, the decks that run black. Yeah. You've got gotcha. most of your decks that run black are, combo decks because you know you got yeah, ad nauseum tendril reanimator yeah. doomsday so like you're doing broken stuff with black very rarely are you you know yeah, using the fair black cards and all right the problem is there's just not very many good ones no not right they now. haven't kept up nope good for you because plague engineer is one of them <laughs> i wouldn't call plague engineer fair card but well, it is in the one, yes but... it is it is in the traditional sense it's yeah. just <laughs> it's, it's fair in that you're paying three mana for a two two yeah. Sure is. <laughs> Ray ogres are a thing. <laughs> All right. There's one more thing I want to cover this week. We don't really have a secondary topic. Magic's been kind of quiet, which is is fine. We it was spoiler season, so with the with a week of spoilers, it's kind of the only thing happening in Magic. I think everyone's tired of listening to Bakamagawa spoilers. I do want to give a big shout out to my favorite modern content creator, 
other than myself. Ho, 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 ho. No, the real content creator, aspiring Spike. Uh, Somebody who's actually good at magic. Someone who's actually good at magic and produces legit content. The dude get aspiring Spike gets more people watching his stream at noon on a Wednesday than we'll get in a month that listen to us. <laughs> it's crazy, but he's amazing. He he he's, he hits all the marks. He's fun to watch. He's kind of he's got a good personality. He's consistent. He's good. He hits everything. Anyway, he's been trying to. He's been doing a trophy race, which is one of those things that people that like to make hard things harder. Just you know, who can get the most trophies? Yep. Who can be in the lead? And he actually commissioned a couple like trophies for it like legit first mm-hmm. second and third trophies that he was going to mail out to whoever won well he won i think he posted today that he won i didn't get a total end count but what's really cool that happened was he actually broke the all-time uh modern trophy record nice. and i don't know what he got to i think he got to like 75 but because he broke it like three days ago i think he broke it at 73 right yes and then he said he was gonna keep yeah he's gonna keep he's gonna keep as high as he could so I mean, I don't, that's, uh, that's amazing. Like way to go, dude. That's well done. I know he doesn't listen to us because he spends every single minute of his day, either playing on stream or work or writing for CFB. But, uh, I, if you live in the magic world and you play any kind of modern or whatever, like that's, that's pretty big news. That's really impressive. So big shout out to aspiring spike. If you listen or if you listen or know aspiring spike, I would love to have him on the cast and just talk to his opinion on, uh, deck design choices and like some of his opinions on deck building because he has some really cool opinions and decisions on the way he does brews and the way he focuses on it. He's mentioned it a couple times during streams, and I think it's somewhat contrary to the way a lot of people like to brew. But I'd love to have him on and thoroughly explain the way he likes to design decks and build yeah, them. Yeah, that's that's one of the big appeals aside from just everything else. He brews like a madman. Yeah. So well, like the Esper Reanimator list was aspiring spike. Right. Like, so like you get a bunch of like when you're tuning in. You have a solid chance of seeing him play something that no one's ever played before. Or at least, yeah, he's the one that brings these decks that don't exist into... I'm I'm almost positive he's the one that brought Oswald Fiddlebender mm-hmm. into life. And it's a really good modern deck. And it's actually Thraven U, Phil Gallagher, who... He does a lot of don't-know decks. And, and he did really well with a legacy Fiddlebender deck. Because it's just a really good tutor thing to, go, to chain through your yep. deck with artifacts. So... I would be remiss if I didn't give Aspiring Spike a big shout out for doing a, a monumental task. Like, this is one of the, talk about a marathon. Yeah. Like, imagine winning 73 trophies ever. How about doing no. it in like three months? Nope. Yeah. No, so. thanks. Hard pass. Tons of credit. <laughs> Alrighty, Matt. As we wrap our episode up, it's a little bit shorter this week. Is there anything I forgot or didn't bring up that you wanted to talk about? No. Nothing in particular. Gotcha. So, as we wrap our episode up, I do want to remind everybody. Proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, Will and Aramis, hit up Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Planestalkers Podcast, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Commander on Wednesdays, Standard on Mondays. Join the Discord, discord.planestalkerspodcast.com. One, let them know we sent you. Two, hop over to our channel, say hi. Three, maybe sign up for a Commander game. Unfortunately, if you're listening to this, you have missed the sign up for the Kamigawa Win a Box, but... Here in a couple months, when we have our new set come out, which I believe is the Streets of Capena, however you say that set, the mob set. Yep. Keep in mind that uh, Planeswalkers will be giving away a free box to somebody, and they've really kind of latched on to this whole legendary historic thing on Arena, where they take all of the commanders that can be in historic, all the commanders that can be in historic brawl, and they make a list, and you sign up and reserve your commander, mm-hmm. so everyone has a different one, and then it's just literally the person whoever wins. As long as you're in the United States, 
as a box mailed to them from their sponsor, Kerwin Games. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's pretty cool. It's it's free to enter. It's tons of fun. They do all kinds of stuff. So like like a couple of days ago, they did the full episode where they review all the decks and talk about them, and they'll even invite you on if you want to like give tips of like why you built your deck this way and yada yada. So hit them up, check them out. Good content, uh, everything you want for standard and commander, and like they've been doing it long enough that they can afford to give away literally hundreds or thousands of dollars a year in product. So they're pretty cool, and their Discord is actually a really fun really positive environment for magic players if you want to reach out to us hit us up at cantripcartel at gmail.com like phil romans follow us on twitter we're actually i mean or i was tiny but we're getting more and more followers getting people some traction are, people are starting to kind of give a crap so thanks guys we really, like, really i mean every i want you to know i get a notification every time someone follows us i see it i appreciate it it's pretty awesome so cantrip cartel at twitter you can even join our Facebook group, which is also starting to have people join it, which is also really cool. It's just Cantrip Cartel at Facebook. So email, Twitter, Facebook, or anything I'm forgetting. For the, I don't think so. All right. Well, I think we will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. So I'm going to activate Grindstone, but with the ability on this stack, I'm going to activate my Goblin Engineer, and then I'm going to switch the Grindstone and the Painter Servant to my graveyard, and I'm going to name Blue. Cool. 